Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. spent a little bit of time before we went on air in search of the perfect song to open today's episode with and by golly by gum i think we got it uh, let's 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 roll it just a clip of it there were some scientists trying to figure out the sasquatch riddle then they figured out it was a missing link is that the d it is the D. Oh, man, I love the D. I miss the D. They're back, though. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what could be more appropriate than the tenacious D song about Bigfoot, about the Sasquatch. Hello, I'm Ben. I am Noel. And Noel, you found uh, that perfect song as we were as we were looking through the internets to find a, a, a cool, fun song. Well, it had to be the one, Ben, because... Mm-hmm. There is really no finer song of the mystery of the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch, Mm -hmm. than uh, In Search of Sasquatch by Tenacious D. That was also the TV show version. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was actually on the record. Doesn't matter. But uh, they may, the only way that song could be topped is if Tenacious D, when they return, uh, if they put out a, a reprised version or they have the discovery of the Sasquatch. We want to, of course, uh, bid a distant hello to our super producer, Casey Pegram. And a uh, very close hello to our guest super producer, Paul Deckett. Yeah, he's seated right outside the shipping container. We're looking at him right now. And our story today begins in the far west, northern California specifically. It also incorporates not just Tenacious D, but a, another uh, pop culture phenomenon, Star Wars. How, how, where, do you, where do you come down on the Star Wars, Ben? I'm a fan. You fur it or again it? I'm fur it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not one of those people who feels that you must choose between either Star Trek or Star Wars. I think they both have their merits, and they're both fun to watch. They're totally different. What, because they're in space? 
and they have star in the name. Mm-hmm. We have to make a choice. We have to choose allegiances. That's ridiculous. It feels a little. Uh, it feels a little bit uh, falsely dichotomous to me. Are you rebel or empire? You know, it's tough to make that call because having watched the films, the rebels are already, always the protagonists. Right. So, and Empire, they're basically a bunch of fascists. Mm-hmm, yeah, and very much into uniforms and conformity. So I guess I would say rebel, but really if I were existing in the Star Wars universe, all I would want to do is use the Force, get my midichlorians up, mm-hmm. you know? What about what? What about you? Where would you? Where oh, you? obviously, rebel. It seems like a very unpopular decision to be uh, empire, but people do choose that allegiance in, <laughs> in the fan community. Um, many of you may know our uh, compatriot Holly Fry from uh-huh. stuff he was in history class. Also, by the way, plug uh, host of a cool show I'm working on with her called Drawn: The Story of Animation, which is a partnership with Cartoon Network, and it's a really fun kind of love letter to all things animation. Anyway, Holly. The biggest Star Wars fan you could ever imagine. I'm serious. Use use your imagination. Think of the biggest Star Wars fan. Take it up a couple clicks from there. You got Holly Fry. She has a a, a rebel tattoo. She makes all her own clothes. Pretty much all of it is uh, Star Wars themed. Um, and when she overheard Ben, you and I talking about the connection between Sasquatch and a certain Wookiee, uh, her eyes lit right up. It's true. There is a connection. Now, fans of Star Wars, you will recall uh, Chewbacca, of course. He... Is that it? Or in the throat, really. I bet you could do it. That was close. Let's, Let's play a clip. I think it's better. As I was saying, Chewbacca is a Wookiee, a tall, hairy biped uh, and also intelligent, a sentient being. He is best known as the friend, first mate, cosmic road trip buddy of Han Solo, and he is the co-pilot on the famous spaceship, the Millennium Falcon. He's also super duper tall. Very tall. Like seven foot plus. Yeah, and, you know, it took a super duper tall human to fill that super duper tall costume of a British man by the name of Peter Mayhew. Yes, Peter Mayhew, uh, who might be unfamiliar to people who are casual Star Wars fans. I, I wouldn't say that either of us uh, or or super producer Paul are people who can quote exact moments and know all the canon. I wouldn't say we're super fans, but but we're fans, right? You oh, like yeah. Star Wars. I've seen all the movies. I'll see, I've seen all of them. Yeah, and I'll probably watch them again. And I'll say it, in real life, I'm, I'm a very nice, compassionate person with a lot of empathy. Mm-hmm. But I think the Sith are cool. Wow. Don't you? Okay. Dude, the Sith are cool. Darth Vader is like the most memorable part of the first few movies. It's true. Also played by a very tall man. It's actually quite um, appropriate for today's episode how Mayhew found himself um, in this role in London uh, back around the time that Star Wars was going into pre-production. He was part of a profile um, that a London reporter did on people with big feet. <laughs> just, which is insane when you think about it and funny. Originally, he wasn't supposed to be Chewbacca. Originally, I believe George Lucas was hoping to get a bodybuilder named David Prowse to play the role, but Prowse chose to play Darth Vader. And we should say uh, Peter Mayhew, despite having a peak height of 7 feet 3 inches or 221 centimeters, he uh, does not suffer from gigantism. 
you know, like Wadlow had. When no. He, yeah. He's, he, just uh, a, he's just a big fella. Mm-hmm. He does, however, have a condition called Marfan syndrome, which is a genetic disorder of connective tissue. And often that can lead to people having extraordinary heights. Yeah, and often very skinny. Um, you know, the band Deer Hunter, the mm-hmm. singer, the Atlanta band is fantastic. The singer Bradford Cox uh, has Marfan syndrome and he's quite tall and lanky. Uh, the other guy you're talking about who played Darth Vader, mm-hmm. he said he wanted to play Darth Vader because he thought villains were more memorable. Um, and the funny thing is, too, he didn't realize his voice wasn't going to be used, that it was going to be James Earl <laughs> Jones. They did a little bait and switch on him. And Mayhew also, not his voice. The voice of Chewbacca, that sound we heard a minute ago, is comprised of like a bear, a walrus, uh, and several other animals um, combined to make that super cool sound. But today's story didn't take place until the third. I don't know. I don't know how you count them. You're supposed to. It's like episode. In, in order of. Let's do it in order of release. That's Let's do it that way just to keep it easy. Um, yeah. The third Star Wars movie released that was The Return of the Jedi, which was uh, the first uh, Star Wars movie to feature, if I'm not mistaken, and Star Wars fans, please just just come at me. Be, be kind. No, don't be kind. Be kind. Give it to me. Be kind. Hit me with your lightsabers. Um, was the first one to feature the uh, the little guys, the little furry bear guys. Ewoks. Ewoks. And they uh, occupied uh, the, the their forest dwellers. The Forest of Endor, yes. Return of the Jedi, 1983. Uh, in the film, you'll remember, of course, that Chewbacca is one of the characters who visits Endor. Mm-hmm. And he is... Uh, he has a nice rapport with Ewoks, uh, being that they are both furry and lovable despite their size difference. But the story we're examining doesn't take place in front of the cameras while they were rolling. You see, where they were shooting the scenes for the Forest of Endor in uh, State Park. What was that State Park, Noel? It is the Tall Trees Redwood Grove, uh, located in the Redwood National and State Park in Humboldt County. Mm-hmm. And when <laughs> this area has another notable thing about it, aside from being a, a site of Star Wars filming, it is also known as an alleged hotspot for one of the most famous cryptids in the United States. Bigfoot, a.k.a. the Sasquatch, a.k.a. the Yeti, a.k.a. Swamp Ape. But that they call it Swamp Ape in Florida. Skunk Ape? Skunk Ape. That's another one. That's another one. Yeah. Uh, abominable uh. Snowman in the Himalayas. And Sasquatch sighting or Sasquatch hunting was popular enough in this region and remains popular enough in this region today uh, that the filmmakers were worried that Chewbacca or Peter – might get shot or harassed or attacked because in Bigfoot country, there is a seven-plus-foot-tall creature that is hairy that is wandering around. And they said, well, you know, that's kind of going to mess up filming for us. We don't have him getting shot. What's that cool word, $5 word for being hairy? Hirsute. Love that. Yeah. Sorry, just love that word. Uh, Yeah, so they didn't have it in the script for uh, him to be shot by Bigfoot hunters, but they had to make the movie anyway. The show must go on. So what did they do? Well, according to Mayhew himself, this is something of sort of a Star Wars fan community urban legend, Mm -hmm. which is interesting considering it surrounds uh, a a Bigfoot story as Mm -hmm. well, Um, that he had kind of a detail, sort of a, a protection squad, if you will. 
mm-hmm. that were decked out in brightly colored jackets, like uh, vests, you know, like um, you'd see neon like crossing guard vests or, or even hunters wear these kind of vests so that they can be visible in the mm-hmm. forest and, you know, keep from shooting each other. And be obviously not creatures of the woods. Unless you're Dick Cheney. That apparently does not read <laughs> for Dick. Oh, boy. Uh, too I, soon? No, I don't think that's too soon. That's not, that's not too soon. That's a, <laughs> it's, not, it's not Sasquatch related, but it's a great example of how easily uh, accidents can happen while hunt, hunting. Yeah, especially if, you know, you're mistaken for um, a potentially dangerous predator or the target of your hunt. Right, because people genuinely believe that this creature, while elusive, does exist somewhere, right? And they want to, everybody who believes it wants to be the first person to find it. You just going to kill it? You think you'd shoot it with a dart or something? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Because when we discover new animals or rediscover animals that are previously thought to be extinct, it's a real tragedy to find out that they were still alive when you've killed one, right? Or you've killed the last one of two or three. There's there's another reason here. I know this sounds like maybe they were being overprotective of Chewbacca, even though it's an understandable thing to have this to have this detail. Something else happened in 1967 in Humboldt County that both fueled the search for this cryptid and I think added some credibility to the fear that Chewbacca might be attacked, and that is a film. Are you talking about the famous Patterson-Gimlin film? Yep, the famous Patterson-Gimlin film, uh, which was shot in 1967 alongside Bluff Creek, uh, that's about 25 miles northwest of Orleans, California, in Humboldt County. And this film, which is named after the the guys who shot it, Roger Patterson and Robert Bob Gimlin, uh, this film is so iconic that if you are a dyed-in-the-wool true believer of Bigfoot or you're uh, an absolute skeptic, uh, either way, no matter how you feel about the allegations of this of this gigantic creature existing, you have seen this footage. You can go on YouTube and see countless uh, professional documentaries, countless TV shows, and countless amateur documentaries uh, attempting to analyze this what little less than one minute of footage of this large, hairy-looking thing walking. Yeah, I mean, you see it from behind, and um, it, 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 it looks good. <laughs> it, although at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, when was this? Uh, 67? 67. I mean, you know, the Chewbacca costume, it looks a lot like the Chewbacca costume from that, behind. That's a the lot thing. like it. A lot like it. <laughs> that's the thing. It uh, absolutely does. Because uh, the big differentiation is, the big differentiations between uh, the appearance of Chewbacca and the appearance of this creature in this film uh, are only discernible from a closer distance. Sure. And my question for you, Ben, is like, what's the backstory behind this film? Like, how, how what gives it weight? Like, why, why, are, why are people still kind of thinking that this, these people had no reason to, like, fake it? We can, yeah, we can look a little bit into the origin of that film itself. So Patterson read an article about Bigfoot in a magazine in 1959, a magazine called True Magazine. And then he visited... Bluff Creek in 1962, so several years before they filmed, they they caught this film or 
made this film. Right. So he was he was already kind of in search of Sasquatch. Yeah. A little bit, like the Tenacious D song. Yeah, according to uh, author Marion Place, when Patterson arrived at Bluff Creek, he talked to tons of people who believed in Bigfoot and said, hey, it's out here. Not only is it out here, I can show you some stuff about it. I can show you some evidence. And so in 1964, he returned and he met a guy named Pat Graves who drove him to Laird Meadows. And that's where, according to this story, uh, he saw fresh tracks, fresh Bigfoot tracks. And he thought it would be an amazing scientific breakthrough if he could obtain evidence that these were not hoaxes, but the mark of an unknown human-like creature. Interesting. I th- for me, it would be a lot more believable if it just happened to be some rando out in the woods with his camera that caught the thing, you know. Right, like out of candidly, picnic, Yeah. And they're they're uh, filming their kid making a sandwich. Daddy, what's that? And then it pans to the left. I'd buy that much more than this guy who sort of had a result he was after um, and a reason to to want to be the guy, you know? Yeah, here, here's the thing. Uh, he was constantly ridiculed for this search, and he was always running short on money. He founded this thing called the Northwest Research Foundation and used that to get funding for these Bigfoot searches, and he conducted several expeditions, but he also had a financial uh, motivation. That's probably the best way to put it. In 66, he published a paperback about the search, and he added the income from that to the income from his lectures. I uh, ostensibly to just to fund okay. further searches, but that's a tough call to make. You I know? think so too. But you know what, Ben? What's this that? area is just lousy with these kinds of reports in general. Mm-hmm. This Humboldt area and the Northern California region in general, big old state California, and totally different like ecosystem and environment in Northern California. Um, whereas in Southern California, everything's a lot more arid and desert-like. Up there, it's much more lush and green, and these huge, huge trees, and the redwood forests. Um, but I actually found Ben a report. Uh, dating back the, the earliest one that I could find from January 2nd of 1886 mm-hmm. um, from the Del Norte record. Uh, and a correspondent from that publication wrote this from Happy Camp, Siskiyou County, uh, again on January 2nd, 1886. Mm-hmm. And here's what it says. I do not remember to have seen any reference to the wild man which haunts this part of the country, so I shall allude to him briefly. Not a great while since, Mr. Jack Dover, one of our most trustworthy citizens, while hunting, saw an object standing 150 yards from him, picking berries or tender shoots from the bushes. This thing was of gigantic size, about seven feet high with a bulldog head, short ears, and long hair. It was also furnished with a beard and was free from hair on such parts of its body as is common among men. Mm. Its voice was shrill or soprano and very human like that of a woman in great fear. Mr. Dover could not see its footprints as it walks on hard soil. He aimed his gun at the animal or whatever it is several times, but because it was so human, he would not shoot. 1886. 1886. And that's those are that's just the first published report we could find. Well, let's go back even further, Ben. Let's talk about the origins of this creature the origins in lore happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The strange thing about Bigfoot, which is at at base, uh, a gigantic human-like primate, right? The strange thing about it is that reports of creatures like these date back into the ancient empires and ages of myth and legend. Sometimes you'll see reports of a quote unquote wild man, right? Mm -hmm. That, that trope or that wild man of Borneo, for example. Sure. Yeah. Or something called the, the hairy man folklore experts like Joseph Campbell see this wild man in the woods legend as a, um, as coming from a couple of different places, one of the most interesting, if not the most plausible ideas, is that it's some sort of orally transmitted memory of an encounter with the largest known primate, the extinct Gigantopithecus, which was 10 feet tall, and may, emphasis on may here, may have interacted with early Homo sapiens. Like in the Jungle Book. Yeah, like in the Jungle Book, a spoiler alert for the newest Jungle Book. I'm kidding, but the one depicted in that uh, live action mm. slash CGI Jungle Book is like a giant orangutan looking mm. creature. But it is that extinct Gigantopithecus that would have been native to that part of the country. Yeah, and Asia, India. Yeah, and fun fact with the Gigantopithecus, at least in the Jungle Book. And this is not too much of a spoiler for the show. Uh, in the live-action Jungle Book, the Gigantopithecus King Louie is played by Christopher Walken, yeah. who is going just full walking on that. He is he is nuts. He for, is taking a walk yeah, again. For some reason, it's from Brooklyn. Yeah. 
and uh, and he he sings the King Louis song, oh. but in a really weird like spoken word it's scat poet strange. way. Christopher Walken's one of those like just beloved actors that can only do Christopher Walken. Right. Yeah. Maybe you, know, you might disagree, but I kind of feel like it works and it's mm-hmm. great. But he's sort of like a Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. you know. Well, here's a here's a or an Al Pacino. Right. Here's a hot take. Uh, I want to see what you think of this. This is entire. I guess this is sort of related because Peter Mayhew's an actor. Anyway, just humor me. Go with it, bro. Tell, tell me what you think about this. So one of the great differences between uh, the lauded actors in the States and the lauded actors in Europe is that in the case of European actors, the, the A-listers, the top-notch actors, are praised for their abilities to be chameleons largely praised for their ability to become another person, to slip into a role. Whereas in the States, a lot of top-notch A-list actors are praised for their ability to constantly be unapologetically themselves. And it's it's weird because it doesn't... I, I'm not at all saying that one is better than the other, nor am I saying that these people aren't amazing actors. Right. It's just a very strange interpretation. No, it's true. It's, over here, we, we call those uh, character actors. Mm-hmm. They almost get like a like a demotion, kind of, you know? Yeah, like you're, that guy's... You're not a leading man. You're a character actor. You're always the cop. Yeah. You're always the angry dad who's almost had it, you know? Oh, I guess when I say character actor, I mean, I, I'm, what I'm saying is they are more chameleonic, but the leading men are less so. Right. Like Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate and Al Pacino yeah. in Scent of a Woman. Yeah. A lot of people would tell you, and I, I love Devil's Advocate, a lot of people will tell you that they're always the same, they're roughly the same mannerisms or something, you know? Yeah. Even though I believe in Scent of a Woman, Al Pacino plays a blind character. But you know what? Al Pacino... Not tall enough to play Bigfoot, my friend. Not tall enough. See what to I did pay, there? We, yeah, yeah. We pulled it back in. Yeah, yeah. Circle back. Not tall enough to play Bigfoot. Uh, Gigantopithecus, though, in a larger sense, uh, no pun intended, but I guess I'll allow it, was close enough to be like our guy for this. If we're trying to find a suspect for a historical Bigfoot, because Gigantopithecus Blackie was thought to be closely related to early hominins, especially Australopithecus. And this was based on molar evidence. So the the thing... Molar, like teeth. Yeah, like teeth, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about trying to figure out whether Gigantopithecus was the origin of the Sasquatch or hairy man myths is that when you look at it, as, as we established earlier, you look at depictions of this thing, it doesn't look like a Sasquatch the way they are described from the 19th century on. It looks like a giant orangutan. Mm-hmm. And it's got the big face flaps that are, I'm going to say, a big enough differentiator. Like, it, its head is bigger yeah. than a Sasquatch's head would be. Yeah, and its, and its neck looks like uh, like uh, testicles or something. It's got like a waddle yeah. almost, yeah. Uh, it was also probably not super fast. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> and, and 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 unlike the depiction in the Jungle Book, it probably didn't smash things and swing on trees. Nor did it have a strong New York accent. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Uh, yeah. th- you know, one beef that uh, Bigfoot skeptics have is like, where's the evidence? Give me some bones. Give me a body. Show me the body, right? Show me fecal matter or Something. a nesting site. Yeah. But with Gigantopithecus... 
you know, there is evidence. You could even find uh, some of these. They were plentiful enough that you could find jawbones and teeth um, in like curio or apothecary shops um, in places like Vietnam and India where these creatures were indigenous. So for traditional medicine, then one would imagine, right? That would be the use. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the, the thing is, you know, these things would have been 10 feet tall. <laughs> and weighed more than uh, 1,200 pounds. So totally in line with the, the type of stature we're talking about for uh, these wild men, these hairy men, these, mm. uh, these Sasquatches. And the thing is, they're not just limited to, you know, North America mm-hmm. or s- Northern California. Mm-hmm. They're all over the world. Sure, sure. Uh, they're in Siberia. They're called the Chuchana there. The Australians would call it the Yowie which I think is a fun name. Absolutely. Uh, you may hear it called the Yirin in China. We mentioned the Yeti earlier. There are different... Uh, the Yeti is the snow one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, abominable snowman. Abominable snowman, right? snowman there right. are uh, different... Th- there are different cases of alleged physical artifacts being discovered or being held, such as the Pangbuche hand. Uh, there was an alleged Yeti scalp that was supposed to be around, but I think think was later disproven through testing and this is a this is a really controversial thing because for some biologists the search for cryptids uh, which is an umbrella term describing any animal that has been alleged to exist but has been not proven to exist or has been officially considered extinct and then you know people think it may be rediscovered cryptozoologists are considered largely persona non grata in the fringy right yeah Yeah. Yeah. pseudoscience in the academic world because other scientists will say that these folks have already decided something exists and they're not practicing critical thinking or scientific method they're just trying to prove that what they came in believing was correct it's a confirmation bias right exactly and like our pal who made the film I, like I would, I would find that evidence, quote unquote, much more believable if it if it wasn't somebody who already was looking to find something and then did this. And until his death, he maintained that he understood why people could think it was weird, but he ha- was not hoaxing anyone, and he will he wouldn't deny that what he saw was legitimate. But then that also raises the possibility that perhaps he was hoaxed. Mm. Which is uh, maybe someone was trolling him, yeah, or sasquatching him, <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe we could use that as a new verb to get sasquatched. I like it, or just squatched. How about that? Squatched is good, yeah. Squatch out, yeah, I'm into it, yeah. All right, well, let's incorporate it into, into the uh, ridiculous history lexicon, yeah. Let's put it into our burgeoning encyclopedia. Well, we have, we have son of a fish, we have mm-hmm. uh, ship show, mm-hmm. and now we have you just got squatched, yeah, yeah. I think we have a few other ones too, but recommend your favorite slang to us. We do want to point out, again, we know how ridiculous this this fear may have seemed for Peter Mayhew uh, and for the filmmakers, but even as recently as 2014, 20% of the U.S. population, one out of five people, believe in Bigfoot or something like it. it was, isn't that like as many people as believe in the Big Bang Theory? Yes, yeah, not That's, the show, the, the right. scientific concept. I, I, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I believe it's so it. good. It's, Sheldon. It's got heart. Have you, you know? seen Young Sheldon? Not good. <laughs> Is that a spinoff? Yeah. What? Young Sheldon. I remember seeing the just the thumbnail for that and thinking, wow, I have 
drifted far from the mainstream demographic. <laughs> he, he's just a, such a smarmy little little kid. He just thinks he <laughs> thinks he knows it all. You know, it's one of those those shows about like the, the the genius kid who gets to go to high school when he's like you know ten or something. Like a and everyone everyone type. hates him. Yeah. He insists on wearing the bow tie. I digress. The kid though that plays him is also in that show, Big Little Liars, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is awesome. By the way, that's a great show if you haven't checked that out. But I don't know. You're right, Ben. Uh, there was legitimate fear for this uh, quite large, tall man mm-hmm. wearing this uh, hirsute costume. Yes. Yeah. And on another show we've done, if you want to learn more about Bigfoot, you can hear our full interview with the founder and curator of Expedition Bigfoot, uh, a one-of-a-kind museum in uh, up near LJ, Georgia. It's so cool. David Baraka. Yeah. It's like it's like something you'd see in Epcot Center or like Universal in, in the Studios. 90s or something. Yeah. It's really, really neat. And the guy's a super cool guy and believes this stuff with all his heart. Mm-hmm. And you can, in the interview, hear us ask him some of the some of the same questions that always come up. The tough ones. The question number one, numero uno, is, you know, where where are the bones, where are the feces, where are the nesting sites and how how much of a range would a creature this size have to have? How much uh, food would it have to eat to sustain itself, let alone to sustain and feed a, uh, a, a juvenile version, right, if it reproduces? At this point, there is no universally accepted proof that something like Bigfoot currently exists, nor is there proof that something like it existed in the recent past. The closest, the closest known thing would be maybe misidentification of large extant primates like gorillas or orangutans mm. or uh, the gigantopithecus. Maybe, maybe, maybe way back in the day, but then again, still very speculative. One thing is for sure, though, if someone who was a Sasquatch hunter was out there in uh, the area that is uh, sometimes called the Bigfoot capital of the world, and they saw Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, uh, everyone's favorite Wookiee, strolling through the woods by himself, they would probably have freaked out. They definitely would have tried to film him, harass him. I like to think they wouldn't have shot the guy. You don't think they would have noticed all the camera crews and extras and Ewoks and stuff? Confirmation bias, though, man. I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they would. Uh, and we don't want to get too far, too far down the Bigfoot rabbit hole but but it is interesting i wonder if there are other situations like that where in the course of making a film the filmmakers had to take extra precautions or maybe even do extra cultural things Mm -hmm. because of the uh values and mores of the place in which they were filming yeah oh i have no doubt yeah apocalypse now there's got to be something with that oh yeah but i mean that was a notoriously no oh, man. Gorilla kind of shoot, you know? And the thing I've noticed, too, like here in Atlanta, it's like, they call it Yollywood. Because right. they, they shoot a whole lot of movies here. Um, and people I know that work in the film industry, sometimes they, they, they bulldoze a little bit, you know? If they're going to, like, shoot on your street. Oh, yeah. They don't really care about disrupting your, uh, your routine. They'll just post a little bill and so you know it's coming. But it's like, okay, I guess mm-hmm. this is my life for the next week or two. Did you ever get the shakedown? 
Like what? Uh, if someone's filming on your street, they yeah. say no through traffic. Yeah, no through traffic. And you have I'm to like, tell them that you live there. I, I, I live here. I'm walking here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing, too. This, like I said, this the story about Mayhew and the uh, the the anti big the Bigfoot determent uh, detail um, has kind of found its place in uh, Star Wars fan culture as kind of a bit of a of an urban legend. But Mayhew mm-hmm. himself was asked this in an AMA on Reddit in uh, uh, 2015, and he did confirm this is true. He said, yes, that is absolutely true. Um, But then some intrepid Star Wars fans did a little digging and kind of got clarification that he was really more warned by um, production folks not to walk off the set in costume for fear that he might get shot by uh, hunters. Um, and they, they reminded him, remember, this is Bigfoot country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, memory is a funny thing. The story's kind of true. It yeah. has a seed of truth. Like, I know, but, but, but this idea of, of dudes in, in, you know, brightly colored vests mm-hmm. there specifically to protect this one actor in this costume. A little, little bit of an exaggeration. A little dicey. Yeah. And the thing is that if you would, uh, if you would like to become a Sasquatch hunter or search for them, you are absolutely free to do so. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it, Noel. I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to find anything, but it's such a cool excuse to get out into some of the most beautiful wilderness in this country. Absolutely. I mean, the Redwoods are gorgeous. I've, I've actually never gotten to, I've been to San Francisco, but I've not gotten to go quite that far up north. But I think I will be relatively soon going up to Washington State and Oregon mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. And you've been, you haven't been to Oregon before? No, I've never been to Oregon. Oh, you're going to mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm very excited. What part are you going? Going to Portland. Okay. But yeah. then also, up, like we're taking a road trip. So, awesome. For a, for a, a secret project. Right, right, right. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, we are almost out of time today, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention some other fantastic and fascinating things we learned about Chewbacca. One of my favorites um, is actually this comic book. Uh, that depicts a crash landing that happens um, with Han Solo and, and Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon, and they go through some kind of, like, t- wormhole of some kind and end up in the past uh, in, like, this part of the country that we're talking about, right? And they uh, are being chased by Native Americans who are firing arrows at Han Solo and Chewbacca. And uh, Han Solo ends up ki- getting killed in this particular kind of non-canon Star Wars story. It comes from a collection of Star Wars short comics called, I think, Star Wars Tales. Mm -hmm. I believe that's right. And, of course, you know, Chewbacca mourns his friend with his famous yowl. His plaintive wail of sorrow. His plaintive wail of sorrow, yeah. And um, kind of goes off into the wilderness alone. It's actually quite sad. Uh, And then the comic cuts to a couple hundred years in the future, Mm. and Indiana Jones shows up with his um, now fully grown um, sidekick short round from Temple of Doom in search of Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that uh, Chewbacca is Sasquatch. I just like that alternate reality kind of like uh, treatment there. Yeah, a lot it's of fun. like DC's Elseworlds series or Marvel's... Um Oh, I can't remember what they called a Marvel. Uh, other Chewbacca facts. Uh, the character was inspired by George Lucas's dog, a big Alaskan Malamute. Uh, and named Indiana. Named Indiana. Yeah, yeah. We named the dog Indiana. Exactly. No, and, and, and it wasn't the other way around. Indiana Jones was inspired by the dog, the mm-hmm. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the name Chewbacca is derived from the Russian word for dog. So there's a very clear relationship there. And, and, and uh, for anyone who's thinking about some of the chronology of that alternative world comic book uh, Noel summarized, Wookiees are very long-lived in comparison to humans. At the time Star Wars is set, Chewbacca is about 200 years old. He looks great. He looks fantastic. He must be using uh, herbal essences or one of the fancy shampoos. Or maybe four hymns. Or maybe, or maybe he's using four hymns. Also keeps him virile. And he was quite virile because in the uh, much maligned Star Wars holiday special, which I'm not even sure is considered canon, Lucas hated it so much, um, you are introduced to Chewbacca's family. Right, yeah, you meet his, uh, you meet three members of his family, his father, Itchy. His wife, uh, Mala. Mm -hmm. And his son, I think this is your favorite one, Noel. It's Lumpy. Lumpy. Yeah. Uh, These names are later... You're later told these are just nicknames. They are nicknames, right? Yeah. They're, they're much longer, uh, uh, proper Wookiee names, and this is on his home planet of Kashyyyk. Yeah. The dad is Adichitkuk. Very well done. Uh, it's probably terrible. Hey, man. We don't speak Wookiee. We don't. 
We yeah. don't. It's fine, though. We do our best, our level best. <laughs> we do our level sincere best, whether it's hunting Bigfoot or protecting people from Bigfoot hunters, right? And we are off. We hope you enjoyed this episode at least as much as we enjoyed researching it. You know what? I enjoyed this one very much. Yeah, I'm. you know, I'm glad to say there's never been one that I thought was a drag. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> but there's also a fun crossover between some of the stuff we talk about on our other shows, Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, where we take a uh, critical thinking approach to conspiracy theories like uh, this one. Yes, and stay tuned next week when we are going to do something completely different, exploring the bizarre story of Santa Anna and a funeral that he held. Looking forward to that one, too. <laughs> We're having a hard time not telling you right now. I know. We, <laughs> we, we want to tease but not spoil. Yeah, so please join us for our next episode. In the meantime, massive thanks to our guest super producer, Paul Deccant. Thanks, as always, to Casey Pegram. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our opening music. And a huge thanks to Christopher Hasiotis, um, who has been just doing amazing work collaborating with us on research for these episodes. So our episode falls to a close, but you don't have to say goodbye just yet. You can find us on our Facebook community page, Ridiculous Historians. We are pushing it hard because it is a lot of fun. And the thing is about Facebook, as you know, you know, if you have just like a regular Facebook page, the reach is you just don't know what, what you're going to get. If, you're, if you, <laughs> you might like the page, you might not see it. Most of the cool stuff that I look at on Facebook are like meme groups and, and Facebook pages like that. And that's how you know you're going to get uh, the goods. And the folks on Ridiculous Historians are a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun history memes and just cool articles and discussion and, uh, you know, pictures of, of me and Ben doing weird stuff. And, of course, we have a fantastic moderators there who really make the page what it is uh, we want you to be a part of it <laughs> there's some there's some very interesting threads and uh i hang out there noel hangs out there we even cajoled our uh, recurring arch nemesis jonathan strickland the quister to post a picture of himself as a child at first i saw it from a distance and thought it was a joke because i just saw like a giant weird clown but when you zoom in you see jonathan's tiny tiny child face in the hole it's, it's one like of those, one of those, one of those cut out the cut out things yeah so uh so definitely do check that out and uh of course you can always send an email with feedback or topic suggestions to us directly we're ridiculous at howstuffworks.com and we can't wait to hear from you and do us a solid leave us a nice itunes review it really helps out and makes us feel good and we might read some on the air. Yeah, maybe some <laughs> bad ones even. <laughs> Take it easy. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com.
Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.